we just yield today to you and uh, we just bring all of our stuff to you Lord we just ask that ministering angels would be released in here today in fact I just know they're already here they've already been working um, now that we have laid a foundation of God's unconditional love and acceptance now we're going to um, allow him to come and do some gardening in our heart right yeah uh, we know that he loves us just the way that we are but he loves us too much to leave us the way that we are and so I want to say this right away because we've seen this so many times when things are about to come to the surface and exit um, there's a bit of resistance okay but we have to recognize the resistance as those are things that have been living with us and influencing us for a long time the next three or four sessions will be rooting around in our heart so I I just invite you to stay put to to yield continuously to the Holy Spirit so that um, these cycles can be broken and um, I feel just even to mention some of them slumber lethargy sometimes people start feeling so sleepy that's a demonic influence on you because something is being commanded to pack its bags and leave other things can be like strife all of a sudden you're taking offense or your your self-pity or uh, just being completely distracted by things and I just challenge you to to keep on letting letting your heart cry out father please come take the weeds out okay so um, this is going to be a day of um, at the end of the day we'll look back and see that the garden has been weeded and those beautiful blossoms that we should have seen before there they are wow that something had overgrown it and uh, that's what God's after so um, Amanda you're on board oh we're excited come on Amanda oh yes um, before we Amanda you can keep coming up um, but there's a schedule that we just put on the piano uh, if you want to check it out to see what times things are, um, just do that. Um, there's snacks, everything that you want back there. Uh, can we just give a thank you to Michelle and Suzanne? Who ha who else has been helping this morning? Can you, Gunrit and Sybil? Um, yeah, thank you guys. And. Um, we love you, Amanda. We just thank you. We thank you so much for coming and ministering. And um, we just hear God when you talk. So here you go. Thanks. Thanks. Well, this, um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm a teacher. And uh, this year I'm teaching um, music and dance. And so we just finished music, and dance starts next week. And the school has arranged for... Um, two professional hip-hop dancers to come in and teach the whole school a routine. 
And then, so they'll be there for two weeks, and I practice with them for two weeks, and then there's a concert, a hip-hop concert. And so I asked the principal, do they know that the dance teacher is a white woman at this school? Because I have not actually taken hip-hop dance before. So this next month for me is hip-hop month. I'm going to be improving my hip-hop dance skills. <laughs> So um, I'm talking about intimacy, divine romance, and uh, Heart of Stone. And uh, so in uh, spring 2000, I was in the School of Ministry, and uh, in, that's the school that we have at the church, and it teaches just exactly what you're learning now. Um, and uh, one night I was going out with friends salsa dancing, because that is one of the types of dances I do, <laughs> salsa dancing. Um, and I, I was newer to salsa dancing then and not so good yet. And there was a few guys that we had become friends with, sort of a group of us. And one of the guys was a really good lead. And so I liked dancing with him because I didn't feel quite so stupid. <laughs> I felt like I looked better when I danced with him. And so that night I said to him, oh, you know, um, I really enjoy dancing with you. It's really fun. Like, you're easy to follow. And, you know, and told him, like, how much fun I had. And so later that night he kissed me. And I was like, oh, I really caught off guard. And uh, anyway, I didn't kiss him back, and so he just sort of smiled, and we went on being friends. But uh, I felt so bad, because in the school of ministry, like, you're not allowed to date during the school of ministry time, and certainly nobody should be kissing you in the school of ministry. Like, that time is for God. And so I felt so bad. And I didn't pray that night, because I was really worried, like, and I, I had felt really bad. And the next day, I didn't pray or read my Bible. It was the school of ministry. I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I completely avoided God because I was, yeah, really worried that I was in trouble and had done something wrong, and I felt my words had gone too far. And, um, and on Sunday morning, I couldn't take not talking to God anymore. <laughs> I was like, okay, I have to talk to him because I missed him. And uh, I said, okay, God, I'm going to talk to you, and I'm so, so sorry. And, you know, I won't let it happen again. And God said to me, um, uh, Amanda, I'm not mad at you. I said, oh, good, because <laughs> I thought you would be. And he said, in fact, I'm never going to be mad at you. I'm like, okay, that obviously wasn't God. That was me just thinking stuff and pretending it's God because in the Bible, God gets mad. You know, and I, so I told him, well, God, I know you get mad. So how can you say you're never going to be mad at me? He said, well... If you think that I will be mad at you, you're never going to come to me. But if you know that I'm never going to be mad at you, you'll always come to me, and that's what I want. And so I was able to receive that God would never be mad at me. And that was one of the biggest breakthroughs for me in intimacy with God, his promise that he would never be mad at me, that I could always come, and I, I wouldn't worry. Um, and uh, in Nehemiah... Uh, nine, God is talking to the people, and actually he's telling them how much they've sinned, and then he says, but I'm slow to anger and quick to love. <laughs> I thought it was so funny, like, <laughs> you've done this wrong, you've done this wrong, but I'm slow to anger, so it's okay. You know, not it's okay, but the same thing, like, he, God wants intimacy with us, and he makes a way for it, and he meets us where we are. You know, I needed him not to be mad so I could have intimacy, and so he met me there. He knows where we are, and that's where he meets us. You know, part of uh, giving and receiving love um, is, a uh, part of intimacy is giving and receiving love. And in 1 John uh, chapter 3, verse 1, 
uh, it says, how great the love of the Father is that he has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And um, I really like um, when I'm having problems feeling close to God, I like to remember that I'm his kid. And you know, in terms of eternity, if I'm going to be spending eternity with God, which I am, you know, really I'm in my infant stage. You know, really what is 80 years on earth compared to how much I'm going to know him in, you know, a million years from now. And, you know, I, I often, part of my walk and in intimacy with God is uh, thinking that I've done something wrong or knowing that I've done something wrong and not wanting to come to him or being afraid. You know, fear really um, is one of the things that has kept me from God quite a lot. And when I think about being God's kid, you know, so I'm a teacher, right? And uh, some of the kids, they get really frustrated and hit each other. Well, I mean, I'm not angry at them that they hit each other because they're four and five, and that's, they don't know how to express their anger yet. And so I'm telling them, you know, it's better to use your words, you use your strong voice, and you say, I don't like that, you know? And the same with, with me. God, he sees the things I do wrong, but it's not like he's angry at me because, you know, I'm nine months old in the spirit. And so... <laughs> You know, he doesn't, he knows where I'm at, you know, like, he doesn't want me to be doing those wrong things, but he, he meets me where I'm at. In fact, at school one day, I was teaching this one little boy how to use a strong voice and say, I don't like that, you know, because the little kids, they always say, Miss Yule, Miss Yule, he hit me, she took my scarf, she pushed me down, right? So, uh, so I teach them, you know, let's practice, you know, say when you're strong voice, I don't like that, and they do this. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 say in your strong voice, I don't like that. And they go, hee, <laughs> so hee, So I was teaching this to them one day out in the hall as we're getting ready to come into my classroom, and the caretaker, his office was right across from me, and uh, he's a pretty big man, and he comes out and he says, I don't like that. <laughs> so thank you, Mr. Macaloni, for helping me in my demonstration of how to use a strong voice, and the kids went, hee, <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> the point is God teaches us better ways to deal with things. Um, when we have an issue and we're having problems with it, a lot of times it's hurt in our heart. And God sees the hurt in our heart and he says to us, you know, my son and my daughter, I have such a better way to deal with that than watching TV and eating chocolate which is what I do <laughs> when my heart hurts. You know, he says, I mean, I have such a better way to deal with it than that, and you're my kid, and so I'm going to teach you. And you know, it's so great when he heals up my heart and when he teaches me things because it takes so much less energy. I walk around with this extra energy because he's healed my heart, and I'm able to use that energy for better things like going to bed on time. <laughs> So, so it's, I just, I love the verse where, you know, God says how, where it says how great it is that we should be called children of God, because it indicates the intimacy he has with us. He knows us so well. He sees what we're doing wrong. He helps us out with us. He knows, you know, it helps me to come to him when I know he's not going to be mad. He's going to help me out. You know, I'm able to come and say, okay, God. And more than that, you know, people love their kids. You know, they like their kids, they love their kids, and because they're their kids, not because of anything they did. And so when I really grabbed a hold of, oh, God loves me for who I am, and he thinks I'm great, um, for a while God kept telling me, you know, Amanda, you're great, you're great, you're great. He still does it. Amanda, you're great, you're great. And I'm like, 
okay, God, I know this is your voice because I never say to myself, Amanda, you're great, you're great, you're great. And I'm pretty sure it's not the enemy's voice, so I'm going to believe it's your voice saying, you're great, you're great, you're great. And I'm like, why do you keep telling me that I'm great? I come to you and ask you a question, you know, like, um, uh, should I take this job or this job next year? And you say, Amanda, you're great. And I say, you know, Lord, I'm having a problem with this. And you say, Amanda, you're great. And you know, like, God talks to me, but he doesn't answer my questions sometimes. He just says whatever he wants because he's God. And I'm like, God, why are you saying you're great, you're great, you're great? He's like, you know, because I think you're great, and you don't believe that. You don't think you're great. And this affects our intimacy because you think, you know, you're not so great. And it stops you from coming to me sometimes. You know, but I'm your dad, and I think you're great. Your dad, my earthly father, he thinks you're great, right? I'm like, yes, my dad thinks I'm great. And he said, me too. You know, and more than that, I know everything about you and your dad doesn't. I'm like, well, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. <laughs> you know, he knows everything about me and he thinks I'm great. And he says, you know, I want you to know, you know, it's not that you're great because of what you do or how much you pray or you know, that you did better eating this week. I think you're great because you're my kid. That's the definition. You are made in my image. You are great. I was like, oh, okay. But still, in my Bible, I have this sheet of things I read out in the morning, and I read out I'm great because I'm halfway there. <laughs> Believing that I'm great. So I really, I really love that God shows us how we're his kids. Because in the, all the things he's shown me about being his kid, because it helps me come to him and want to know him more and to not be so afraid of him. Um, yeah. Because, you know, my dad is a great dad. My earthly dad is a great dad. And he's a big guy. And, um, you know, he knows this. Sometimes he can be a bit grumpy. And <laughs> when I was little, he would stay out of his way then. And so... Um, but, I mean, he really, he's, he's also had lots of healing in his heart for that and is doing so well. But when I was little, and you're little, and my dad's a big guy, you know, that's a little bit scary. You know, and I was thinking the same thing about God. You know, maybe sometimes when I'm too noisy in the morning, God's a little grumpy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so knowing that I was his kid, that uh, he thinks I'm great, that he looks at me as, you know, growing and learning. He meets me where I am. It just, I'm like, wow, God, that so helps me to come and sit in your arms. You know, because that's what he wants. He just wants a hug from us. Like, I just think it's so great that we can give back to God. You know, like, we get to move God's hearts just like kids move our hearts. You know, um, my, uh, my students, um, when I do yard duty, some of the little ones walk with me at recess. And there's this one girl, Alexia, who is just so cute and often walks with me. And she'll walk backwards, and I'll walk forwards. Then I turn around, and she walks backwards, and I walk forwards. And sometimes she walks too close, and I bump her away. And she, you know, she's really cute. And one day, she's like, Miss Jewel, I love you. <laughs> Thanks, Alexia. I love you, too. But it just really moved my heart because, you know, the kids don't often say that at school. Although it's true for most of them. They really love their teachers. <laughs> You know, but like she really moved my heart. That was just so open, and she's such uh, just an open kid and really funny. We were doing uh, drama last year. Last year I taught drama, and uh, they had to use a prop, and so she used a hula skirt, and she said, I'm a hula hula girl. I'm a hula hula girl. And then the rest of the year in my head was, I'm a hula hula girl. I'm a hula hula girl. <laughs> you know, the kids get to move our hearts, and we move God's hearts. You know, we say, God, I love you. We say, God, I'm a hula hula girl. And he goes, ha, ha, ha. 
hey, angels, come here, look at my hula hula girl, you know? <laughs> you know, it's so great that we get to move God's heart too. And just with the littlest things, you know, I have my nieces and nephews' drawings up on my fridge. And uh, my youngest nephew, Emmett, uh, he writes his name using all the letters in whatever order they come. <laughs> Not necessarily the, the order we would put them in. You know, but I think that's great. You know, when I get things in the wrong order, well, I mean, it would have been better if you'd done this first. And, you know, that's okay by God. Like, you know, he knows where I'm at. He shows me how to do it. You know, just like I help Emmett. Okay, Emmett, let's spell your name. Let's count to 20. Let's play hide and seek and count to 20. He always misses 17. You know, like, when we miss 17, it's okay. You know, God will count again for us and again and again. And he loves hide and seek. You know, like, sometimes I just take myself a bit too seriously. <laughs> you know, Amanda, your sin is not going to change the world. It's okay. You know? <laughs> you know, and this is how you do it, you know. And I really like being God's kid. I really like being his kid, you know. Um, part of intimacy with God is that our spirit becomes one with his spirit. First uh, John 4, uh, 13 says, We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And I think, you know, we look like God in how we're made in our physical body. We look like God in our emotional makeup and our mental makeup. He made us in his image, but I think the way we look like him most is in our spirit. And our spirit has such great capacity to love and to trust him. And, you know, he just couldn't contain his love. He had to make us to share it. You know, we were made because he wanted to share his love. The Trinity loved so much that they had to share it, and we were made. And he said, you know, I want that spirit-to-spirit -spirit connection. Like, that's what I long for. You know, I'm going to make them in my image so their spirit looks like mine. When they come to me, you know, we can connect and grow. And God always uh, makes a way for us to come close to him. He's the one, you know, the Bible says that we love him because he loved us first. You know, he always takes the first step. They call him the hound of heaven because he just comes after us and after us and after us. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I'm like, okay, 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 <laughs> okay. I'm great, okay, I'm great, okay. <laughs> you know, like he just, he makes the way. When um, Adam and Eve uh, sinned and fell, you know, God sacrificed the animal so that they could come close to him again. You know, he made the way. And, uh, you know, every day I prove that I would also eat the apple in my actions. Every day I prove, yes. You know, if that was me, I would have done the same thing. And God makes a way for me to come close to him. You know, he sacrifices. Um, and I like when Moses uh, went up onto the mountain to meet with God, and there was fire on top of the mountain, and the mountain was shaking and thundering, and God was, you know, showing uh, his glory, and Moses went up into what looked like a fire and talked, and God said, I want to be close to the people, I want to be intimate with them, and the people were like, no, thank you. <laughs> you walk into the fire, I'll stay here, <laughs> you know, and God said, you know, I really desire closeness with you, so I'm going to provide Moses as a mediator. You know, Moses will talk with me, and he'll tell you what I said, and he'll be a mediator so that, because I want you to be close. And of course, God's desire was that that would be a step, one step closer to him, one step closer to him. You know, God wants to come close to us, 
and part of coming close to us is his glory. You know, and if God came physically close to us with all his glory, we would die. <laughs> but he desires that we know him in his glory, and so he grows us in intimacy with him. And the more time we spend in his presence, the more of his glory we can hold, the more of his glory can come close. Because, you know, it's not only that, um, that he wants to know us, but that he wants us to know him. And, you know, he doesn't want us to know him if it's going to kill us. Well, most, mostly. <laughs> there's, some there's some exceptions in the Bible, but, you know. <laughs> mostly, mostly. And so he says, you know, come and spend time in my presence so you can carry my glory, so I can come close to you in my glory, because I want you to know me. You know, the Israelites, he, he was showing his glory. You know, there was fire on the mountain. There was the trumpet sound, the loud voice, the shaking. That was his glory. You know, Adam and Eve, they walked in his glory every day. They were naked and unashamed. Why? They were surrounded by his glory. I don't know that being surrounded by his glory is being naked, the same thing. You know, they were close to his glory. And that's what he wants, that we would walk in the garden with him in the cool of the day, close to his glory every day. He says, you know, come close, come close, because the glory is good. Oh, my goodness, the glory is good. So good you just need a little taste you know and he'll do it you know we say God come with your glory come with it and you know wait and he comes and you know sometimes it's stronger than others and I don't know why you know some meetings it's just so strong and sometimes quiet times you know he just he just wants to share himself he just wants to share himself and he likes you so here he comes you know I just want to share myself with someone you know, and you're it, and you're it, and you're it, you're it. I want to share my glory with you. You know, come and taste this little bit so you're going to be hungry for more, so I can give you more and give you more. You know, it says in his presence there's fullness of joy, and that's just, that has to be attached to the glory, having tasted a little bit of it. You know, it's just joy, joy, joy. My mom says heaven is a place where she's going to be able to dance and sing at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just full of joy in his presence, full of glory. It's like just, oh, God, come with your glory, you know. And, and knowing him, you know, it's so funny, like, I had such wrong ideas, and I'm, I'm sure I still have such wrong ideas about God. And he just loves so much showing me who he really is, you know. And I get to know him, like, wow, you're so much better than I thought. Like, my ideas are so wrong, and I have such a small view of you. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, how it must be so insulting how we think about God, you know. Like, <laughs> he's so much more. I mean, he's not insulted by me, but I just think, you know, like, it's so cool when he comes close. And I think, oh, wow, that's how you are? Your glory is really fun. Like, it's not this, like... Today we're going to do a sermon about glory, and uh, God's glory is great. You know, it's not like that. His glory comes, you're like, wow, that touches my heart. That changes me, and it makes it so much easier. You know, sometimes I'm trying to change something like going to bed on time, and it takes me a long time to change it, you know, and I get frustrated with myself, and then God comes and does a healing in my heart or shows me something, and oh my goodness, it's so much easier. The glory makes things easier. You know, he says, let me show you, let me show you. I just, I, I can't wait to show you who I am, you know, and, yeah. and he wants, you know, closeness with us. He wants us to share ourselves, too. I like the story also of um, Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac, his son, and uh, he went to sacrifice, and then God said, no, stop, stop. 
now I know that you love me. Now I know that you trust me. Now I know, God says. Now I know. And I think, of course, God, you knew that all along. Like, you know everything. You knew that. But God allows us to reveal ourselves to him. You know, if we don't want to reveal parts of our heart, then he allows us to do that. And as we reveal parts of our heart to him, he says, oh, now I know. And I'm so glad I know you better. And uh, I told this story before, but um, one time uh, when I was living in Japan, God said to me, Amanda, I want you to stop looking in the mirror for zits. He's like, every time you look in the mirror, you're looking for zits. And like, I want that to stop because when I look at your face, I'm not looking for zits. You know, I'm like, okay, God. And he says, um, so, you know, the next few days, I, I didn't stop looking for zits in the mirror. And he said, Amanda, if you don't stop looking for zits, I'm going to make you do a mirror fast. I'm like, no, God. I'm a girl. Don't make me do a mirror fast. <laughs> so, so I did a makeup fast for three days. A three-day makeup fast, and I was speaking in a Bible college on the second day, and so, you know, I get to the Bible college without makeup on, and, you know, I go up and, hey, how are you? I'm good, and, oh, Amanda, you know, I hope you don't mind. We're going to be filming your uh, session today. I'm like, ha, ha, God, you're very funny. <laughs> but, you know, uh, a little while later, he said to me, Amanda, you know, the same thing you do with your face, you do with your heart. When you look at your heart, you're always looking for the blemishes, and I don't do that. I look at your heart and I see the beautiful things and I want you to do that too. And so much easier to show God who I am when I know he's looking at my beautiful things. So showing him where I'm hurting is easier because that's not what he's looking for. He's looking at the beautiful things that he put in there. You know, it's just, I love how God talks to me and he's so funny, you know, like telling me not to look for zits and stuff like this. I told this before too, but when I first learned about hearing God's voice and how you could hear God's voice, um, I was going for a run that morning and I said, God, you know, Mark Verkler said I could hear your voice anytime and, you know, can we talk now while I'm running? And God said, sure, we'll have a running dialogue. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. You know, like, <laughs> he's so funny. And, like, so I'm able to come and bring the parts that are not so beautiful to him because he's not going to be mad, and that's not what he's focusing on. And it helps me come to him and be more intimate with him and share who I am, because I can say, God, this is who I am. I'm really having a hard time going to bed on time. And he says, now I know who you are. You're the kid who shows me everything in her heart. You're the kid who shares her whole heart with me and doesn't hold back. That's what he wants. Because he loves us. He wants us to bring his whole heart because he is trustworthy. He's not going to stomp on it. He's not going to crush it. He's not going to point out our faults to others. Amanda goes to bed on late, everyone. Everyone, listen, listen. Amanda goes to bed very late. You know, he doesn't do that. You know, he carries our heart so gently. And he says, I know who you are. And I love it when you share with me who you are. And I love sharing with you who I am. It's okay to show me everything. You know, uh, for uh, a long time in Japan, I had a really hard time with still being single. 
you know, and uh, I told God, you know, God, I think you know how many hairs are on my head, but you forgot my age. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure you forgot my age, God. I'm in my 40s. God, I'm in my 40s, you know. And uh, I was talking with him one day about this, and he's done a lot of healing in my heart. I'm in a much better place now, but um, Jesus was talking to me, and he said, you know, Amanda, I've been waiting to be married longer than you. I said, well, that's true, Jesus. <laughs> More than 2,000 years, maybe even 5,000 or seven, I don't know. <laughs> He said, you know, I want to be married more than you do. I was like, that's true. <laughs> that's also true. He said, you know, I love my bride. I cannot wait to be married for her. I died for her. I'm helping her grow. I just cannot wait to be married. He said, you know, the wedding feast is going to be the best party ever. And when Jesus says ever, I'm like, that's ever, 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 the best party ever. He's like, you know, don't miss it. There's wise virgins and there's foolish virgins. And the wise virgins have oil. They spend time with me. They're intimate with me. They know that I'm not going to step on them. Because they, they, it's easy to spend time with somebody who loves you, you know, and is funny. <laughs> and... He said, you know, that wedding feast, some people are going to miss it. Don't miss it because that's going to be the best party ever. That's the main event I've been waiting for to marry my bride. To marry my bride, I cannot wait. And the bride, at that point, she's going to be equally yoked in love to Jesus. He is bringing us to a place of loving him the same way he loves us. That's what he prays in John uh, 15, 17, you know, before he goes to the cross that, you know, that our love would be the same as his love. You know, he's so excited. And he said to me, you know, Amanda, when people love me, they share in my suffering. And everyone shares in my suffering in a different way. And, you know, the way that they share in my suffering is the way that they know my heart. They really know my deep heart in that way where they've suffered, and I've suffered the same way. And he said, you know, you're waiting to be married, and you know my heart on this matter. The way that people who got married when they're 20, they're not going to know because they didn't get to wait like you're getting to wait. And you know me in this way. You're going to get to know how much I want to be married and my awesome love for my church because you shared in my suffering this way. And I said, thanks, Jesus. That actually makes it easier to wait. <laughs> makes it easier to wait. Jesus is waiting. I it's so much easier when you're waiting with someone because, you know, a lot of your friends keep getting married. <laughs> Jesus isn't married yet. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> you know, he just, he comes with intimacy and says, this is who I am. This is who you are. Come closer. It's so good. It's so good. It's so good. You come close and he heals your heart and he wow, <laughs> you know, I didn't know it could be this good. I didn't know it could be this good. So, so, so good. And uh, in Psalm 27, verse 4, the psalmist says, you know, one thing I desire, you know, to seek your face. Actually, I'm going to read it because I quote it wrong sometimes. Psalm 27, verse 4. Uh, 
Yeah, Psalm 27, verse 4. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in the temple. Actually, I think this verse is actually kind of funny because he says one thing, one thing I desire, and then he says, dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gaze on the beauty and seek him in his temple. To me, that's three things, but whatever. One thing he desires. Okay, one thing he desires. <laughs> One thing I desire, you know, to seek his face. Because David uh, had learned that when you look in God's eyes, his love comes out. You know, the eyes are the, the window of the soul, right? When you look into people's eyes, this is what they say. The eyes are the window of the soul. And I have to agree that Jesus' eyes are, when I look at his eyes, I can see his love. And sometimes, I don't want to look at his eyes because I don't want to cry. <laughs> oh, geez, I don't want to cry anymore. Please. Don't. But if I look in his eyes, I'll know I'll cry because the pain's going to come out and the love's going to go in. You know, I just, if I look at his eyes and see who he is and he's showing me who he is, the pain's going to come out, the love's going to go in, I'm going to cry. So, you know, there's tissue beside my bed. <laughs> because that's what happens. <laughs> And uh, in Second Chronicles, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Oh, sorry. sorry. So, you know, God is looking. He's looking through the earth. God is looking through the earth for us. His eyes are looking for us. And actually, um, uh, during the time in Japan when I was having a really hard time being single, I was, um, God brought me to Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 5. And the lover is talking to the beloved, right? So the husband's talking to the wife or the fiancé, or also God is talking to the church. And he says, turn your eyes away from me, they overwhelm me. I'm like, God, when I look at you, I overwhelm you? I didn't know God could be overwhelmed. It just doesn't seem like God should be able to be overwhelmed. Like, what would overwhelm God? Like, he's all-powerful, all-knowing, all, like, everything, super-duper great. <laughs> and my eyes of love overwhelm God, overwhelm God. When we look at God and say, I love you, he's overwhelmed. I'm like, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like, I know God a little bit. It doesn't seem in his personality to be overwhelmed. <laughs> Like, it just, of what I know about him, but my eyes overwhelm him. And then he says again in Song of Solomon 4 9, you have ravished my heart with one look of your eyes. One look. We say, okay, God, I would like to fast. Not I'm going to fast, not I have fasted. God, I would like to fast. And God says, wow, you ravished my heart. You want to come close. You're such a lovely bride that you love me so much that you would want to give up food or TV or whatever you're giving up, licorice, whatever. <laughs> wow, you overwhelm me. You ravish my heart. I think, you know, God, my grandma, she used to give us money, you know, for doing nothing. Like, I think she's the most generous person I know. You know, I think everyone's grandma should be the most generous person they know. And, you know, I think they have the best return policy <laughs> for hugs, for money, really for anything, like, you know. And here God and Jesus and the Trinity, I say, you know, I think I'd like to do this. And they say, wow, you know, 
even better than a grandma's return policy, he lavishes love on us. He lavishes us with rewards. You know, the Bible says, store up in heaven the rewards. And I'm thinking, okay, you know, when I pray, there's stuff stored up. Or when I, um, you know, help somebody out. Or, you know, there's a reward stored up. If I give somebody a glass of water, it says there's a reward stored up. But God's like, no, if you say you want to fast, there's a reward stored up. I'm like, okay, that just doesn't seem fair, God. Like... <laughs> You know, when I teach the little guys, I teach the older guys too, but little guys, it's all about being fair. Miss Yule, that's not fair. She got two Jolly Ranchers and I only got one. <laughs> you know, it's all about fair. I just think, wow, God, that doesn't seem fair, but in my favor. Like, I get hundreds of rewards and benefits for one thing I want to do. You know, he just, looking into the eyes of Jesus, I see unconditional love unconditional love and just he does everything he can to get us to come and he knows what it is that will get us that will get me he knew for me it was i will never be mad at you he knew that you know for you he knows what it is he knows what it is and he does it he says it he just loves us every one so much and just wants so much divine romance, which is the best kind. You know, uh, all other kinds of love and romance, they're a shadow of God's love. They're to show us what his love is like. His love is just the best love there is. It's the best stuff going. True love. God says, I am love. I am love. You want to know what love is? You can't know it without me. There's no other way to know true love unless you know God. You know, there's no other way to give away love except for knowing God and receiving his love, and then you have it to give away. Some little kids want to buy candy from me. The problem is they don't have money. <laughs> you know, they can't buy it. They don't have it to give away. You know, even some of the grade eights. I'm telling you, you can buy kids love with sugar. Like... <laughs> It's just so true. Like, the grade eights get allowance. They have money in their pocket. And yet, when I say, if you pick up three pieces of garbage, I'll give you a candy, they go pick up three pieces of garbage for a dollar store candy that comes 30 for a dollar. And they have $5 in their pocket. Like, I don't know why they do that. But I think it's great because my room is clean, you know. <laughs> the caretaker likes me. <laughs> you know, like, he just, you know... If we we're going to give away love, we need God's love. You know, it's just for our own sake, for our family's sake, for our friend's sake, you know. We are to show the world what love is. And when we receive love from God, it's just so much easier to show it. When we think he's great and not angry like I did, you know, and not stern and strict. And, yeah. It's so much easier. So much easier. I just thank God for all he's shown me about who he is, and I want so much more, because I know I still have wrong thoughts in my head, you know? I think sometimes, like, sometimes he laughs because I make a joke, and sometimes he laughs because I'm serious, <laughs> you know? And he thinks it's funny, <laughs> like, just, <laughs> he just, you know, it's so, so good to know that he looks at my wrong ways of thinking about him and laughs, you know? So, oh, Amanda, you're hurting me with your wrong ways of thinking, no. You know, when the kids say to me, Miss Jewel, you're not fair, you know, I laugh because I am pretty fair. <laughs> I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty fair, you know. But, you know, I laugh. You know, or um, I remember one time I was uh, playing with my nephew and he fell down and 
he went crying to his mom. He said, Aunt Amanda hurt me. And everyone laughed, you know. Like, God laughs at us, you know. He laughs and he just thinks we're great, you know. He thinks we're great. I think my nephew's great. I didn't hurt him. I think he's great. God didn't hurt me a lot of times, although I may have accused him of that. God didn't hurt me. He knows I think wrong. He thinks I'm great. He thinks I'm great. He thinks you're great. He loves when we get it. Oh, good. She got it. Because now she's going to show me her whole heart. Now she's going to share. You know, Amanda, he said, I'd, I'd rather you be honest with me and show me everything than not honest and only show me the good parts. <laughs> I value honesty more. And I just, just be honest. Because also it helps me be honest with myself. If I'm not trying to hide it from God, then I don't really have to hide it from myself. And it's just so much easier and so much less energy hiding from myself how bad I am. <laughs> how much struggle I'm having, <laughs> you know, it's just so much easier because he's able to deal with it, you know, and my prayer partner is also able to help me deal with it. <laughs> so this weekend, there's a lot of things that we're learning about God and about how he heals our heart, and it helps us get closer to God, and I want to talk about one of the things that keeps us from intimacy with God, and that's heart of stone. Um, in Ezekiel verse 36, uh, chapter 36, verse 26. And he says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So a heart of stone is an automatic hidden defense mechanism which keeps us from being vulnerable. It keeps us hidden behind the stones, behind the walls that we've put up to surround our heart like castle walls. These walls that we believed would protect us in reality have become a prison that keeps us lonely and miserable. In the Sanfords, um, there are a couple who do a lot of teaching on inner healing and counseling, and they talk about uh, basic trust. And basic trust is um, the ability to hold your heart open to others and to life. It's the sense of being secure in who you are as a person, the ability to embrace life, to risk, to bounce back if things don't go well. And basic trust is formed in the first few years of our life. So when we're kids, when we're babies, and we cry because we're hungry, but our parents change our diaper, right, and not meeting our needs, this affects our basic trust, right? Or when we cry and it takes a while for somebody to come, you know, this affects our basic trust. Or um, when as a toddler we're uh, walking and maybe fall down the stairs, you know, or think our parents are there but they're not. You know, this affects our basic trust. And we have hurts in our area of basic trust, right? And this is in a family where the parents do a really great job, you know, love their kids, look after their kids, you know, because we're not perfect. There's just always things that are going to happen that affect our basic trust of people and of life and of God. And, you know, and then if you come to a family where there's yelling, you know, that scares the kids or where there's abuse, you know, the basic trust is, you know, just really trampled on. And so we try to protect ourselves, right? We build up a wall so that we are not hurt. And, you know, in children, this wall 
although it's not awesome, it actually does protect them when they have no other protection. You know, when they're, when they're in an abusive house and they build up a wall so their heart doesn't get hurt with all the abuse. You know, this is, this is what happens. But as adults, when we're in a safe place, a secure place, this wall becomes a prison where we're in behind this wall of all the hurts, you know? And uh, the wall is protecting us from being hurt again. And I find um, the wall, you can tell there's this wall there because it's hard to receive love, you know? We can receive, um, we can give love, we can give money, we can give acts of service, but receiving love, receiving money, receiving acts of service, that's hard, you know? That shows us that somewhere there's a heart of stone in our heart. Some part of our heart is still stone. You know, we're not able to receive the love that friends and family would like to give us, that God would like to give us, you know? Oh, here, let me buy your lunch. No, 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 no. It's okay. No, really, you know, back and forth, but we don't let anybody buy our lunch. Oh, here, let me help you wash the dishes, shovel the driveway. No, 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 I can do it. It's okay. No, 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 I can do it. My dad um, is in his 70s, and he has a snowblower, and he does our driveway and a couple of neighbors' driveways. And we're like, Dad, <laughs> you know, you're, you're in your 70s. Like, just hire somebody to shovel the driveway. You know, hi, you know, you don't have to do three driveways. No, I can do it. I'm still strong. Rah, 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 rah. My dad's kind of like a gruff guy. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> we tease him a lot. I can do it. Right? Right? <laughs> Some people know my dad. <laughs> you know, I can do it. That's not him not being able to receive love. That's him not wanting to get old. But, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> same thing. So, you know, like... No, no, no. When we tell people no and we won't receive help. You know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But it's when we don't ever receive help. We won't ever receive help, financial or actions or love. We, you know, this is a heart of stone somewhere inside of us. You know, a resistance to change shows, you know, somewhere in us there's a heart of stone. Difficulty with relationships and intimacy. Or being unable to feel met, loved, cherished, known, the thought, nobody really understands me. Nobody really knows me. You know, that's a heart of stone somewhere in there. You know, feeling sad or emotionally empty. Yeah, this is a heart of stone. Um, some of you have heard the story of mine already, but I'm gonna share it again because of the heart of stone. Um, I grew up believing that I was ugly and uh, I didn't think it was sad, I just thought, you know, some people are beautiful and some people are ugly, and I was ugly, and of course my parents told me I was beautiful, but they're your parents, they have to tell you that even if you're ugly, you know, they don't know if you're ugly or not. And I guess hearing from my parents that I was beautiful once in a while just couldn't compare with every day, every day at school, hearing how ugly I was, and the boys would call me dog and bark, and you know, when you hear something often enough, you begin to believe it, and so I, I believed it. Um, and, but also in that part of my heart, I built up walls, right, to protect myself against all the insults. And um, that all stopped when I went to high school. But uh, when I was in university, I came to church and uh, the pastor was speaking and said, you know, God wants you to forgive someone, ask him who he wants you to forgive. 
And into my mind popped the picture of these boys who used to call me ugly. And I said, God, I don't want to forgive them. I want to hit them over the head with a baseball bat. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> but you know, I'm a Christian, so I forgave them. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I know the importance of forgiveness. <laughs> and I want God to forgive me, so I forgave them. Okay, God, I forgive the boys who called me ugly and dog, and they don't owe me anything, and I won't hit them over the head with a baseball bat the next time I see them. Fine. <laughs> and so I forgive them. And so into my mind comes a picture of a lily, a white Easter lily going back and forth in the wind. And the verse from Luke 12, 47 comes, or 27 comes, consider the lilies of the valley. And I knew that God was saying that was me. I was like, wow. Lilies are beautiful, you know? And so I was telling a friend, you know, God sees me like a lily. And she said, and do you see yourself that way? I'm like, no, no, I don't see myself that way. That's just how God sees me. She said, well, um, between you and God, Amanda, I don't think God is the one with the perception problem. I was like, that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably true. Um, and so um, I went to Japan for the first time, and I was working in this small village of 5,000 people where they were all rice farmers, and I was the only foreigner. And um, they have a stereotype in Japan, I don't know if you know this, about, well, especially back then, especially in small villages, that uh, Caucasians are beautiful because all the movie stars are Caucasian. And so every day, my students would come up to me and say, uh, well, they called me Amanda Sensei, but uh, Miss Amanda, Miss Amanda, you're so beautiful. And you know, if you hear something often enough, <laughs> you start to believe it. <laughs> and so I would look in the mirror and think, oh, you know, I have a cute smile. Like, you know, okay. And um, yeah, thanks, thanks. <laughs> so I went to church one day and the pastor was speaking and God was speaking to me and I didn't hear any of the sermon. And God said, you know, Amanda, your name's in the Bible. And I said, God, um, I've read the Bible, and Amanda's not in there. He's like, Amanda, your name's in the Bible. And I said, no, no, God. I read through the Bible once a year. I am telling you about the Bible, the Word of God, that Amanda's not in there. <laughs> so probably you shouldn't argue with God, especially about the Bible. <laughs> so he said, what does your name mean? So my name in Latin means loved one or beloved. And of course, the beloved is in the Song of Solomon the beloved and the lover speak to each other and so I read all the way through Song of Solomon that sermon which was probably about John or Matthew or something and uh, in the Song of Solomon the lover is always saying to the beloved how beautiful is my beloved how beautiful is my beloved and you know I could really believe then that God had made me beautiful but and that's so good because before that whenever a guy would compliment me I wouldn't believe him I would think oh he's lying or uh, he just wants to sleep with me or something like this. You know, I was, I was dating my boyfriend when I was 17 and I was walking down the stairs and he said, hey, beautiful, and I turned around to look who was behind me. <laughs> he said, Amanda, you, you, I'm calling you beautiful. Like, I just, I couldn't receive it, you know, and I had walls up. That part of my heart was stone because I couldn't believe I was beautiful and it affected my relationship with guys who called me beautiful, my, my dad. This one day I was walking down the road and my dad was walking home behind me and he whistled and I didn't turn around. <laughs> He's like, Amanda, I was whistling at you. I'm like, well, I don't turn around for that. <laughs> you know, and when he healed me, I was able to receive those compliments and 
more than that, see who he made me to be, you know? That he said, you know, Amanda, I don't actually make ugly people. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before, but <laughs> I don't make ugly people. I'm like, oh yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I mean, obviously it is true. You know, God doesn't make ugly people. And so being healed from the uh, heart of stone in that area made a big difference in my life. And it's so funny, because that doesn't seem like a really big thing to me like believing that I'm beautiful or not. It seems like, you know, believing that I'm loved by God is more important than that, or believing that uh, God is trustworthy is more important than that. But this was really important to God. This was really important to him, that I would know that he made me beautiful, you know? The, it's so important to him, these little tiny areas of our heart where we have a heart of stone still, you know? Like... Uh, Maybe we have up a wall because people are always late. Oh, it's always going to be late. People are always going to be late, you know, because our parents were always late, you know. And it doesn't seem like such a big deal, but he's just, you know, he wants to take that heart of stone away where, you know, we can know, okay, God's on time. God's always on time. Even though I'm in my 40s, God's always on time. <laughs> you know, like, he's on time. Just these little, like, because what happens is the things that we think are little, they turn out to affect so much. You know, he wants, like, it may seem, you know, oh, you know, I've had a lot of healing. Thank you, God. There's a lot of my heart has turned into a heart of flesh, but there's one or two little areas. And he says, yeah, that area there, that area there. I want to take that area that's still a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh that beats where the blood runs through it, that loves and feels. And, you know, I had this idea that if I didn't have a heart of stone, if I didn't protect myself, I would be weak in those areas. If you took away my wall, I was going to be weak there. That's what I thought, you know. But that's not true. Like, believing that I'm beautiful makes me so strong there because now if you tell me I'm ugly, I'm going to laugh at you. It's like you're going to tell me that I have purple eyes. Amanda, you have purple eyes. Like, okay, I'm just going to laugh because that's obviously not true. You know, it doesn't make me weak taking down the walls. It makes me stronger. It makes me, again, like I said, so much energy. I don't have to use all this energy protecting myself against people who compliment me. <laughs> you know, it's silly, right? Because <laughs> that's what I was doing, using energy to protect myself against people who complimented me. Like, that's just, but I didn't think it was silly. You know, it's just, he changed that part of my heart. I stopped using energy. I got stronger. Like, it's just so great. I highly recommend it. <laughs> I highly recommend a heart of flesh to you. <laughs> he, he just, he loves that. Yeah. Okay. So I think we we'll move into uh, some ministry. We're going to ask God. Maybe he's already spoken to you about where the heart of stone is or what he wants to deal with you on. But we're just going to take a couple of minutes and we're going to ask God. God, what is it? Where is my heart a heart of stone that you want to turn into a heart of flesh? Where is it that I've been protecting myself that you want to show me the truth so I don't have to do that?
Okay. So we're just going to put our hands over our hearts. And we're going to pray a prayer so you can just pray after me. Dear Father, forgive me for hardening my heart. Forgive me for the walls I have put up that keep you out, that keep out friends and family. I give you permission to soften my heart and to take the walls down. Take this heart of stone and give me a heart of flesh. And just tell him yourself this, the specific walls you're taking down. Lord, I'm taking down the wall of So I see him taking away stones and bricks one at a time. He's just taking them away. You know, and as he takes them down, he can see, you know, your hair and then your face. Some of you look a little bit worried. He says, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm your wall. I'm your wall. And I see some of you are giving him some of the bricks. He says, thank you. Thank you for taking down this wall. Thank you, because I know that takes courage. And your courage is really love for me. You love me more than the fear of taking down the wall. Thank you, he says. And he's taking down the wall down to about your waist, I see. And it's getting a little bit easier for some. Yeah. And it's funny, because he takes away the bricks, and then they disappear disappear as far as the east is from the west so far as he removed our sin from us you know the sin of protecting ourselves, of building up a wall thank you Jesus that the bricks of our walls disappear and he says to us thank you for giving them to me I've wanted to take them for so long so long thank you thank you thank you for trusting me he says I am trustworthy thank you for trusting me he takes down the wall and he says, I have such a great, awesome present for you. It's this beating heart of flesh. This beating heart of flesh where you can feel my love more. Where you can feel love from friends and family like you never have before. When they say, I love you now, you're going to receive it so much more. When they do things for you, you're going to be able to receive their love more. This is abundant life. This is abundant life. 
receiving love from me, from people who love you, who've wanted you to know how much they love you, but couldn't show you before because of the wall. They're going to be so happy that they can show you love when you receive it. They're going to say, wow, wow, you've changed. I give you this beating heart of flesh. My blood pours through it, and you just pour out love to others through this beating heart of flesh. You're going to be able to love so much easier, just easier to love. Just pour out of you because there's no walls in the way. The heart isn't stone. Just such an awesome, I've been wanting to give you this present for so long in this area. Maybe it seems small, maybe big, so long. I am your strong tower. I am your strong tower. The Lord says, the righteous run in and are saved. You've run into me this morning. You've run into my tower because you trusted me with your wall. You can have mine. I'm the tower. Yeah. And Father, we just want to forgive those who hurt us. Just those people that were help cause the wall. Father, we forgive them. Forgive our parents as they tried, but we're not perfect. Forgive the teachers who were frustrated, unloving, called us dumb and stupid. We forgive the friends who turned out not to be friends. Forgive them. They owe us nothing. We cancel their debt. We bless them to know your love, Jesus. Father, we repent for our sinful actions and reactions. We repent for building the wall instead of trusting you. We repent for reacting in anger back. We repent for rebellion against parents in response. We repent for giving up, for giving in. We repent because we stopped knocking and seeking and asking like you say. Keep on knocking, keep on seeking, keep on asking. We're so sorry we stopped. Father, we're sorry that when you asked us before, we wouldn't give you the wall. Sorry for believing lies about you, that we had to protect ourselves against you. We're so sorry.
we just give you, Lord, all of our anger. Would you take it away, Lord? I know sometimes it takes a while, but Lord, would you take away the anger? I don't want to carry it anymore. Would you, with your awesome love, heal the hurt? I don't want to carry that anymore. I let go of resentment. I let go of those people. Thank you, Father, that now I have a heart of flesh. And I come to you now and I say, would you pour out your love? Would you pour out your love on me? Because now I can just receive it more. Father God, would you come closer with your glory now? Could I taste of your glory now? And your joy. And I just thank you that I can show you my whole heart, those areas that I think are not so beautiful because you think I'm great. <laughs> I just, I want to come with my whole heart, all of who I am, and show you everything. Because then you can say about me, now I know. Now I know that you love me. It'll be written in your book of remembrance, Lord, on the scroll that you have about me. It'll be written, he loves me. She loves me. Now I know. She loves me. Now I know he loves me. He trusts me. Come, Lord. Father, I want to be close. I really, I want to be close. And the Father says, oh, I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting when you will trust me with your whole heart. Because I love it so much. It's so beautiful. The garden of your heart just brings me joy. <laughs> you bring me such joy. I can't wait to show you how, how, how much you make my heart beat faster. When you look at me, and my, my heart beats faster because with one look of your eyes, you overwhelm me. I wanted to show you for so long. I love you so much. And I think you're so great, and I love that you share your heart and that you trust me to take down your walls. You just did so well today, son. You did so well today, daughter. The courage you showed in trusting me so makes me proud. You make me so proud with coming even just this weekend, even just signing up, you made me so proud that you wanted to give time to me. You know the rewards I have for you. You know the rewards I have for you. Just the willingness to come. Let me show you more of my love for you. How awesome I think you are, how I just want to walk beside you all the time. Comment on your life like a Roman commentary in your head. That's what I want. That we could just always be in, in uh, 
contact and connection, kind of like the peanut gallery in your head. <laughs> I get to comment on stuff. I just love spending time with you, everything you do. Walking the dog. I love talking to you when you walk the dog. There's lots of time there. <laughs> when you go swimming and going to work, you think you're sort of dozing off, but I'm really talking to you while you're dozing off on the subway on the bus. <laughs> I really like taking the bus with you to work. It's really fun. And when you're almost asleep. And I remind you, you need milk tomorrow. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> and grocery shopping with you. That's fun. Helping you with the kids. I really love that. Especially when you're tired. My favorite time to help you is when you're tired. And the kids won't do what you want again. I love helping you then. I, and I love it that you come to me when you're so frustrated. And you say, help. And you show me your hurt and weakness. I love it. I love it. I love that I get to be your strength then. <laughs> You think I'm not, but I am, like really your strength then, just in the really hard times when there's no energy left. And you look at me, you look at me and overwhelm me. You say help, and I say yes, 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 yes. Yes, I want to show you more of my love and no more of yours. Yes. Yeah, I say yes. 